coming from our side. It's great to be here. My name is Vesi, for those of you who don't know. Um, and you don't spell it with a V. So you chew on that one. Um, it's such a great joy and an honor to be able to share the word. And we do... The fact that Clive has just prayed for, for this word is not a ritual. It's not something that we do out of habit. It is something we do because we desperately need God. None of us can ever do anything without God. And standing up here is not more important than what you are supposed to do where you go. And so as much as we pray for every day, we pray for the moment up here. I want to say that um, we, we have to keep on celebrating the fact that what God has called you to do at home and at your workplace is, is not insignificant, is not less important than us preaching from a platform up here. We do pray for these moments because it's important and we carry a huge responsibility, but your responsibility of imparting the grace of God through your life in whatever context you may find, find yourself in is not less important. And so I want to celebrate you in what God has called you to do in business and at home and at whatever field it is and at, at, at school, wherever you may go. May the Lord encourage you that your role is incredibly important there. And so thank you for praying and thank you for carrying us as leaders in prayer, but we similarly do the same for you. Is that okay? Your role is incredibly important and we're building a nation, we're changing a nation from our homes, first of all, not just from a platform like this. So praise God for elections and things like that that are coming up where we can go and democratically express what we want to express, but the nation is not firstly changed at a ballot poll. The nation has changed at home, from home, behind the desk where you operate, in front of children where you teach them. So well done for your role. We are incredibly thankful for everybody's role and what God has put you in and what God has called you to. So celebrate that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, I do want to thank you as I pray for us in terms of just this word that you will help us to receive, Lord God, what is on your heart. And what you want to bring across in Jesus' name. Amen. It's like yesterday, 7 a.m.-ish, around about there, 7 o'clock in the morning. I was sitting in my study, and I, was, um, I have this incredible privilege of having a, a desk that, that in front of a window that overlooks the garden. And so I'm, I'm often a bit distracted because everything that happens outside there, I pick up immediately. Um, and, and so... Whether it's people moving, and there's not too many people in my house that can move because it's just the two of us. And so, so mean when she's outside, I would notice it. But um, this time yesterday, or that time, I noticed suddenly this big bird arriving and, and, and sitting on a branch just about 20 meters away from where I'm seated inside the house. And so immediately a movement like that caught my attention. And I saw that it was a falcon that had just grabbed hold of a squirrel which is not too bad of a thing because those squirrels go and make nests in my ceiling. So I was like, yeah, way to go, buddy. I love it. And, um, and so this, <laughs> the squirrel had become breakfast uh, for the falcon. So if you can't handle stories like that, please just bear with me. But anyway, so I was watching this and, and I'm preparing the message for this morning, but I'm absolutely intrigued by what's happening. So I, I go eventually find the binoculars and now I'm on them and I'm like, 
looking at this incident and what's happening there. And there's a big branch in front of me that I can't really see exactly what the, what the falcon is up to. And eventually trying to beak around, beak around there. I don't want to disturb me. I want to just see and I want to actually identify what kind of a falcon this is. I can see it's a squirrel. That's easy. But what kind of a bird is this? Which one? And, and in this process of trying to identifying, I have the bird book in front of me, trying to page through it and find out which one exactly is it. And it's not so easy because of the light and the, and the grayness of his head. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's this one, maybe it's that one. But as I've gone through this whole exercise and involved Sumina as well, we couldn't actually eventually identify which one it was, but, but the Lord spoke to me out of this all. And he said to me, you know what I want you to do? I want you to be as excited about seeing who I am as what it is trying to identify who that bird is or what that bird is. And God is not difficultly too difficult in terms of trying to identify who he is, but there is this process we call life that we are privileged to enjoy to get to know who he is. Because I do think sometimes we are so obsessed in a sense about what God wants for us and where God wants us to live and how we should do this and how we should that do that, that we miss out on who He is. And so this whole exercise is like a 30, 45 minute process that I went through trying just to see more of this bird spoken to my heart. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to know me. I want you to press into knowing who I am to look out for me, discover more about my identity. And we're in this transitioning process at the moment. We've been doing a series called Seated and Sealed. And over the last probably six, seven weeks, we've been mostly and entirely by, uh, focused on the concept of being seated with Christ. And what that means, and we looked at the benefits of what God has graciously allowed us to enjoy of being seated with him. And this morning, I want to take us into a, a process of discovering what it means to be sealed with Holy Spirit. And in that, I think there's going to be beautiful discoveries. And some of you may have, and many of you perhaps, have, have been on a journey of, of, of identifying, if I may respectfully say so, who Holy Spirit is. But I do think that there's a lot for us still to discover about who he is. So our, our point of reference has basically been a couple of verses from the book of, or the letter that Paul writes to the Ephesian church. And so I want to ask you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at a couple of verses as an introduction into understanding this concept of what it means to be sealed. But we're going to mostly look at something out of that this morning. And so let's read together Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. And as we go along, I'll make a couple of comments just on that portion. So Paul writes this beautiful, he uses these two beautiful words called in him, and he repeats that a number of times. But it says in verse 11, in him, we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that this whole thing of being in him and what we have enjoyed and are enjoying. He says, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Not just for our own 
you know, um, benefit, but to the praise of his glory. And it says in verse 13, again, in him, you also, listen to it, it says, when you heard the word of truth, say with me, yeah, when we hear the word, when we hear the word, there's something that happens. It says, in him also, when you heard the word of truth, it says the gospel of your salvation and what? Believed in him. So hearing results in the possibility of believing. All right? He says, when you, were, when you heard and you believed in him, it says you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So it's quite clear that as a result of certain things that have happened, there's a beautiful promise that comes. And that promise is what this whole series is about, that it's, we are seated with Christ, but we also sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so what enables us to be sealed with the Holy Spirit is, is nothing that you and I can actually do. It's just receiving what He has already done. And so we look at this and see that, that in this whole process of, of hearing the truth, of listening to the truth, there's an incredible, valuable, but very, very important thing that needs to happen, and that is believe. The outcome of God says, when you find faith in me, then my spirit comes to reside in you. But I want to just quickly help you understand what believing the truth that Jesus died on the cross for us means. Because Paul is saying, listen, when you heard this truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you heard it, it resulted in certain things. And so what is it that Jesus actually did on the cross for us? Sometimes we, 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 we know the word gospel. We've heard it so many times. People know that and can explain it to be the, the good news. But what is it really? Because out of understanding this, we have received this beautiful promise that we are sealed with Holy Spirit. But what is it that He has done for us? Just quickly, I want to just take, it, take you through just a simple and a helpful, I trust, um, exercise of what he has done for us, and these notes will be available, and so if you can't keep up with writing them down, please don't worry, you'll get them. It says, first of all, believing the truth that Jesus died on the cross for us means that we are reconciled to God the Father. There's a message on each of these points, and we're not going to do that. The second thing is that justice for sin is satisfied. Justice needed to happen. Needed to, but it was satisfied through what Jesus did on the cross for us. The third thing is that sin has been atoned or paid for. It's a beautiful word, atonement, that we get from that. That the judgment of the guilty may be revoked. You don't sit under that judgment anymore when you put your faith in Christ, when you heard the truth and you believe it. The fifth thing is that the condemnation of the sinner is canceled. That is what is available for you. Carries on. The next slide. It says that the curse of the law is blotted out. You don't live under that curse anymore. That the gates of hell are closed to you. Once you believe in Christ, you heard the truth, but you believe it as well. This is what happens to you. That the portals of heaven have opened up wide for you. That in the event of us, and where all of us will also eventually one day end and breathe our last, that the portals of heaven are open because of hearing the truth and believing it. 
The next thing it says that the power of sin is crushed. You don't live under that power anymore. It's there. The presence of sin is there. But you're not crushed by it. The next thing it says is that the guilty conscience is healed. That is what is available for us as we have found faith in Christ. And that the next one is that the broken heart is comforted. We find it because of what Jesus has done for us. And that the sorrow, sorrow and misery of the fall is undone. The fall is what, what happened when Adam and Eve turned against God. And so the, the sorrow of that event and the misery of it is undone because of what Jesus did for us. That, that God, as amazingly what he has done, that God through all of that has come to live inside of us. There's an us missing there through his spirit. And so, folks, just a, a quick reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And when Paul says here in Ephesians 1, he says, you've heard this, but it's only relevant to you when you've believed it. So I just want to quickly bring out the, the importance of not only listening to the gospel, but applying the gospel, believing it to our lives. And some of you, may have been listening to the gospel for many years of your life. The fact that you've been sitting in an environment called church meetings on a Sunday, where you've been able to listen to it and hear it. Maybe you've listened to it on the television. Maybe you've read it. But you know the key is still, you've got to believe it. That's what makes these things real to us. And we're not anybody better than somebody else who does not believe in this. But we cannot just assume that you hear it and it's part of your life. The key is, the tipping point comes when that what you've heard becomes actual faith and you apply it. And so before we carry on and move on into what it means to be sealed and who Holy Spirit really is, we've got to again talk about the fact that here is a promise made that we receive the Spirit, but we receive it on condition that we believe the gospel. We believe what Jesus has done for us, and then we receive this beautiful promise called Holy Spirit. And so we take you to another verse where it helps us to understand just how well the whole process, or not perhaps the process, but what is involved in being sealed. So well, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul helps us understand just a little bit further in verse 21, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, And that it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. And then it says in verse 22, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as guarantee. Clearly what we have been sealed with is not a physical stamp on our lives. It's a presence of God's spirit in our lives. Why? Because we have heard and we've believed. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you've heard the gospel, you've just heard the gospel again in a very simple way. But if you've never come to the place where you actually confess your faith in what Jesus has done for you, we'd love to help you with that. Because without faith, none of those things are real. The gates of hell are then wide open. That's not trying to scare anybody. 
but that's the reality. So faith changes all of that. And so please, if you need to just have somebody assist you in what this means and how to express your faith in Christ, we'd love to help you. You're so welcome to come to us after the meeting. But we want to talk about what it really means to have his seal on us, as Paul so clearly puts it out here in verse 22. And he says, he has given us his spirit. There's so much to be discussed about this. We're going to talk about what it really means to be sealed. What is it? Why does God use that word? But this morning, I want to talk to you about, and coming out of my experience with this falcon, I want to talk about who is the seal. It's not what is the seal, but who is the seal. And here we see it in 2 Corinthians that the seal is a person. It's God's spirit. And over the next couple of weeks, our aim is to talk about Holy Spirit. Talk about who he is, his personhood. Talk about his character. Talk about our need for him. And that we're desperate to live with him. And, and you know, one of the, the reasons why we want to highlight him is that I believe that too often he is the forgotten God. There's actually a book or two written about Holy Spirit, and the title of these, those books are The Forgotten God, where we are aware of God the Father, and we can understand, and, and sometimes there are things that we've got to work through to, um, to realize how much He truly loves us, and e even earthly fatherhood often is a, is a hindrance to understanding how great the Father's love for us is, and, and that's a wonderful thing to work through. We, we can relate to Jesus. Jesus came, he lived amongst us, he walked the streets, not the streets of Bulawayo, they weren't around at all, but he walked here on earth 2,000 years ago. And people flocked to Israel to go and just see and try to imagine must, what it must have been like for him to have lived there. And so we have perhaps a, an understanding of who Jesus is and how he walked the earth. But when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, there are so many things that are perhaps misunderstood and perhaps not clearly understood about who he is. It's a mystery so often for people. Sometimes people associate who Holy Spirit is with certain behavior or things that they've seen perhaps in church and some extremities about that. And they're like, whoa, that's not for me. Thank you very much. When I see some of the things that people do or associate with the Spirit, that's just not for me. And so I think sometimes we, we neglect Him because of a misunderstanding. And so the only way it, that it would be possible for us to get to know Him better is kind of like as I did yesterday. I went to the bird book to see, what kind of a falcon is this? We've got to go to the book to get to know the Holy Spirit better. To understand who he is and say, Holy Spirit, please teach me about who you are. Because the life that I've been called to live in this world where our challenges all the time, and I just don't know how to handle, I've got these keys, Lord, I don't know how to work them. And God says, let my spirit within you guide you. And so Holy Spirit is, is so precious and so incredibly kind and, 
and so incredibly helpful for us as believers. And hence the importance to stop and talk about him. But how can one mere human being stand up here and try to express to you, try to explain to you who God is? It's just absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. But we can stir one another as we consider the book and see what it is that we can learn about him from the book as what we do about the Father and about Jesus. Holy Spirit is often, I think, just completely missed because we don't always know who he is. And so we're going to try to answer these questions together. And so I want to invite you on this journey with us. It's, it just cannot be done in one morning session of whatever minute long it could be. It's an ongoing journey. And, and as much as you've learned and as much as we've learned together, let's discover more, would you? So that our lives, at the end of the day, would make a greater impact and have a greater impact for him because when Holy Spirit came, as we would read in, in the book of Acts, he came not just to put himself on display, but he came to empower you and me so that the Father and Jesus could be glorified through our lives. And we are here on earth. We're still alive because God has a purpose for us and his spirit wants to move through us. So I'm going to take you right to the beginning if that is okay. Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start as they sing in the sound of music. We're going to do it the same today, but not sing it and just do it. Genesis chapter 1, would you go there? We're going to really try to dig deep into who the Holy Spirit is. He wants to be your companion. He wants to be real to us all. He wants to not just, and, and, and with all due respect, he doesn't just want to appear on a Sunday when we gather together and, and we see the gifts of God through his spirit operate. He wants to function and be real to you every single day of our lives. And our, our attempt would be to enthuse one another about that, that we could literally wake up in the morning and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. You've woken me. I've been woken up by my alarm or whatever, or the birds or the whatever it may have been. But my first focus would be is to recognize you. And, and I think that's the thing for us is that we are so aware of so much else and so many other things in life that we forget about him. And that's often my personal prayer, right? Where I say, Holy Spirit, please remind me of you. Because I'm so easily affected and aware of everything else around me but him. And he has this incredible way to, to stop and to stop me and remind me of him. Sometimes I'm aware of it and I take note of him but other times I just carry on I just rush ahead so here we find in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth 
that most of you are familiar with that. God created. By the way, nobody else did. It didn't just happen. I mean, there's another sermon here, isn't it? <laughs> we just can't um, not just mention the fact that for us as believers, we believe in the sovereign, creative God that did everything and not one thing happened suddenly. In verse 2 it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. So, I mean, do you have a, perhaps a, a Kleenex on your tissue, perhaps? I have a little issue here for, that only a tissue can deal with. An issue for a tissue, or a tissue for an issue. Thank you. That reads that there was nothing that was on the earth. It was void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then see who's introduced. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Yeah, it's such a beautiful thing, this. I think we miss it often. Because we don't go immediately into creation and the, the six days and everything that happened. Well, we miss the person called Holy Spirit. And so when we read this, we are actually introduced. It's amazing. It says God created, but then it says, I want to introduce you. And I'm paraphrasing. Usually I understand. But I want to, the author is actually saying, hey, yeah, listen, the Spirit of God is around. He's hovering over the face of the waters. Very interesting that in the midst of this nothingness, <laughs> Holy Spirit appears, is introduced to us. It's going to be something important in that even. You're going to recognize that. Then, then when there's a sense of emptiness in our lives, we don't know how to deal with it, and even darkness comes. His Spirit was present back then when nothing existed. How much more will His Spirit not be present in your moment of darkness and of despair? And you feel like nothing, Lord, is working. Nothing is happening. Nothing is too big for our God because He was present then and it wasn't too much for Him. Like, oh, I can't handle this. Your darkness, your despair, your challenge, whatever it is that you're facing is never going to be too big for our God. So He's present. Just got to recognize Him. We just got to stop and say, Holy Spirit, I read in the word that you were hovering. And I know that you're hovering too in this current situation that I'm facing. Please let my spirit respond to your presence. That's the key, isn't it? It's not so much, God, are you there? It is, hey, do I believe that he is here? And so I want to encourage you this morning. The Spirit of God is with us. He has come to be the seal, the guarantee of God's presence. We don't walk around with a mark on our forehead that says, you have the Spirit of God upon you. You walk around with an assurance in your spirit that you get from seeing the truth and reading the truth and believing the truth. And you know, I remember when I got saved, 
And it wasn't spectacular. It was like, you know, like some guys have stories and praise the Lord for big stories. It was just a simple thing that happened in my life. I realized that I'm lost without Christ. And for the first time in my life, I could pick up the Bible and enjoy it. Never before had that happened to me. I'd picked up the Bible in my before Christ days and it was a burden. I didn't understand what it was trying to say to me. But when I now started picking up the Bible, because I only now, in hindsight, you realize what had happened in your life. Holy Spirit had come to reside in you. And so when you open up the Word of God, it, it means it brings life to you. It makes sense to you. You want it. And sometimes you're like, I don't understand that, but I want to know it. I want to get into it. These are the things that the Spirit of the Lord comes to do because He's real. I read a sentence in this week. Somebody was saying, you know, the things of the Spirit are this and this and that, and, and it will help you in experiencing them. Like, what do you mean, it? Referring to Holy Spirit as it. These are Christians <laughs> saying that He's an it. No, He's not. He's a person. And He's right now present. Yeah, not because we've met in the, you know, the, the quorum is enough, so therefore He has come. <laughs> No, he, whenever you would go, he would go with you. He is that real. He wants to speak. He wants to comfort you. He wants to be with you. He wants to just simply love you. He's not an it. Amazing. The, the Hebrew word that we find here for the Spirit of God in Genesis 1 verse 2 is the beautiful word called Ruach. The Ruach of God. And Ruach, when you... When you translate it, it's actually the breath or the wind of God. It's a beautiful Hebrew word called ruach. You can't go ruach, all right? You've got a ch there is there's ruach. And, and so it was actually indicating that the breath of God was present, was hovering. Simply a metaphor for the life within the Holy Spirit himself that was present at that moment. And I know that, that God can never be limited to just a breath, but He chose this word to help us understand the very nature of His Spirit, that His Spirit is like breath upon us. And you stop breathing, we'll see how, how well you will function. Everybody just try that for a couple of seconds quickly or minutes. Just complete silence for five minutes, nobody breathing. Can we do that? Some of you will not last like five seconds. Hey. <laughs> Point is, breath in us gives us life. It's an indication of life. And how amazing was it that, that it was God's breath or His Ruach that was released into this, 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 this situation of disorder and emptiness and voidness. So when God spoke, the breath of God's life created what we now call creation. The implication being that every time God speaks, every time that God spoke, the breath of God coming from His voice brought life to this emptiness around Him. And so the first reference we have to Holy Spirit in the Bible gives us, gives us an idea of who He is, that He is life, that He wants to live inside of us, 
like the very breath we have that keeps us alive. Psalm 33 verse 6, and you're welcome to turn there, but I want to just quote it. It says, and it supports this idea. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. So when God spoke, it's not just words spoken. It's that he, through his breath, brought about life. So again, we see how Scripture can interpret Scripture when we see that the Bible actually says to us there's power in our tongue. So when we breathe and we speak something, we speak life or death over a situation or over people. So just watch what we say, would you? Because as you breathe those words and as you speak them, they have the potential to, to do what you're saying they could and should do. So it's so good to be able to just bless one another and say, God bless you. Really bless you. And you mean it. The second thing that we, that we find about who Holy Spirit is that is so beautifully explained and found here is in Genesis 2 verse 7, where we now see that the, at the end of the creation of, of all the plants and everything around it, we find in verse 5, Genesis 2 verse 5, it says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then in verse 7 it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. And what did he do? He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And here we find really the Ruach of God in action. The Ruach of God, the breath of God is bringing life into this mere clay man that God had created. shows you that the Ruach of God, the presence of God through His Spirit changes everything. You and I are just little clay objects without God's Spirit within us. Because there's no life in dust. I don't know if you've looked outside. If you go and see and pick up a little bit of dust, there's no life in it. But man was formed from this dust and then God the Ruach of God breathed into him and brought him life. And so today when we consider God's spirit, he is the one that wants to breathe in us, that wants to keep us alive. We don't have to wake up in the morning and say, God, please breathe in me. Again, when we read Ephesians 1, we see what we've heard, we've believed, and now because of that, we've been sealed Second Corinthians says that He, Holy Spirit, is the seal upon you. That you have this life in you. You don't have to go and ask for it and beg for it and come to a meeting and receive Holy Spirit into your life. You have Him. But I just recognize Him. And say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are real. I often forget about you. Perhaps even often ignore you. But you are real. 
And so here we find that God breathes life into lifelessness. This is exactly what the presence of the Holy Spirit does in our lives today. He brings life to anything that is lifeless. And without Christ, you and I are lifeless. So the moment we become born again, we receive Holy Spirit into our lives. And He brings life. We cannot manufacture this. We can't go and procure it from somewhere. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But we receive it. Why? Because we heard. We believed. Job 33 verse 4 is a beautiful verse that supports this too. It says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. It's the very same word, ruach, is used there in Job 33 again, where it says it's the breath of the Almighty that gives me life. So this is how we live our lives today. I want to jump to a verse that is up there a couple of slides later, Romans 8. I want to end with this this morning. And as I say to you in the beginning, this is a journey that we're on. We're not going to be able to get to everything in one moment. We're going to be doing this over the next couple of weeks. And we want to invite you to come and discover more of God's Spirit with us as we enjoy what the Word of God will teach us about Him. Romans 8 verses 9 to 11 talks about this beautiful reality for us now in this new dispensation called a, the new covenant with Christ. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So you belong to Christ, you have the spirit. Okay. But if Christ is in you, verse 10 says, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, dwell, from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life. See it there? Will give life. Say with me, life. It will give life. He will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the spirit of God comes and he breathes upon us. He breathes into us and he brings life. And so when we consider lifelessness around us, because how many of you know that there's a lot of that? around us. We were like, God, I don't understand. It just looks empty. It looks void. It looks so full of darkness. It is lifeless. I do not respond to that. I respond to the life within me. I recognize him. And I say, who is he that would come and live in this mere human body to bring life to me so that I can live with hope and with an absolute dependence upon him saying, God, I don't know how to live this life, but I know in you it is possible. And I do not make use of this bunch of keys, if I may use that picture again, and say, oh, this will unlock the, the thing for my future. That key will work. Or this thing will manage and help me to cope in life. It is the life of God in me. And it's him being that life that we want to discover more about. So I'm going to invite you. This life, if you're a follower of Jesus, this life currently dwells in you. This life is not a thing. It is not just an energy that you have. It is not just a supernatural ability that you have that you can turn on 
or off. This life in you, my friend, is called Holy Spirit. He wants to be real. Not just in a way that He wants to manifest through your life and and help you with various things like, for instance, the fruit of the Spirit, which we will talk about, or the gifts of the Spirit that we will talk about. But He wants to simply help you to see how real God is. And not just be dependent upon Holy Spirit to give us power so that we can. And it's good to have that, to do the what, and to do it where, and to do it in that way. But Holy Spirit wants to help us see who He is. So let's open our hearts, even right now. So Holy Spirit, won't you help me to grow in my understanding? Maybe you have understood a bit, a lot already. But He wants to grow that so that our understanding of who God is, will change the way we think about everything. And it starts with the Spirit of God. So Holy Spirit, we are and have and will be speaking about you. And how difficult it is for us as human beings, Lord, to try to portray, to picture, to describe this incredible, beautiful, magnificent, majestic God. And Holy Spirit, there's no way that we can try to explain you, but yet we can experience you. We can know you. And so my prayer this morning for us, for myself included, is that this journey of knowing who you are, Lord God, that we will be lured by your spirit, by you yourself, to come along and to help us see who you are. And so change the way we think and operate and function. So good morning, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here. Welcome, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Help us, Holy Spirit, that as we go from here, that we will not easily forget about you, that we will become too occupied and busy with so many things around us, that we will forget who you are and ignore your presence. Holy Spirit, we love you. Holy Spirit, we want to know you more. I want to be available for you. So Holy Spirit, here we are. Teach us, show us, guide us, even comfort us. Forgive us, Father, for our own, for our own ignorance about your spirit and show us more about who he is. We ask this, Lord, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.